Do you know Theodor Geisel? Today, we'll be taking a quick look at him. Hello and welcome to InfoBlast. InfoBlast! <laughs> the quick history show about anything and everything. I'm Nick Job. I'm Rob Branch. And today we are going to be covering the life of a pretty interesting man, uh, Theodore, or Ted Geisel. Uh, born, actually, today as we record this, March 2nd, 1904. Happy birthday, Theodore, Teddy. Yeah. Theodore was the son of a brewmaster whose name was also Theodore. Um, for lack of confusion issues, I'm going to call the son Ted and the father Theodore. Theodore's father, so Ted's grandfather, owned this massive brewery in Springville, Massachusetts. When the grandfather died, Theodore, Ted's dad, became the president of the brewery in 1919. It would have been uh, awesome to be the the owner of a brewery. Just... Yeah, except in 1919, because the following year in 1920s, when Prohibition started. Son of a bitch! Sorry, Ted. And, and the brewery uh, was shut down. Uh, so Theodore ended up getting a job at a for at the Forest Park Zoo, where he would often take Ted and his sister Marnie. Uh, Ted would walk the trails, watch fish, go to the zoo, and he would bring a sketch pad with him uh, to draw the animals at the zoo. Ted's mother, Henrietta, was the daughter of Bavarian immigrants. Uh, Instead of going to college herself, she decided to work in a family bakery and build enough income for her kids to get higher education. As far as we know, she was a good and loving mother, often singing them rhythmic melodies uh, Theodore would uh, also often invent complex things in his spare time. Seemingly, yeah, he's basically like the, uh, it makes me think of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Wayne Zielinski. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's who I picture as Theodore, as the father. But I also think he was kind of like a manly man. Like, you know, he was like the the muscled, mustachioed, like, I own a brewery type guy. So what, like a mixture between Tim Allen and um, Al Bundy? <laughs> Maybe. You know, because he did this, it their family really had this strong, artistic, nature-loving kind of household. Ted ended up going to Dartmouth in the early to mid-1920s, like 21 to 24-ish, 5 uh, where he contributed and acted as editor for the school's humor magazine, The Jack-O-Lantern. Uh, unfortunately, hmm. college kids being college kids, they uh, were caught with gin in one of the dorm rooms, him and some friends. Uh, and this was still being the Prohibition era. That was very no good. No boy. Ted, Ted was kicked off the magazine, but did that stop our intrepid reporter? Nope. He began submitting under a pseudonym using his mother's maiden name, Zoyce. After he graduated, he went to Oxford in attempt for a PhD in English Lit, but he ended up meeting Helen Palmer, his future wife. Helen talked him out of getting the doctorate 
in order for him to pursue his artwork as he had notebooks upon notebooks of sketches, animals, etc. They left Oxford and came back to the States where Ted pitched stuff around to different magazines and newspapers, landing things here and there, but he ultimately got a job at a humor magazine called Judge in 1927. He published his first cartoon for them in October, and Ted married Helen in November. He also did a cartoon there mentioning a brand called Flit, which was a common bug spray at the time. This Flit cartoon caught on and became such a hit that the advertising campaign for Flit signed him on and used it sporadically from about 1928 to 1941. With the the phrase, quick Henry the Flit, becoming like this pop culture phenomenon phrase for like, you know, 14 years or whatever, this uh, random bug spray ad campaign was like this cultural phenomenon. And that's just so crazy to me. Uh, Cause you know, thinking about the cultural phenomenons we've had in our life, you know, pop culture um, mm-hmm. and how much nobody might remember that in the future. Probably not. They will probably um, not. Yeah. So basically Ted ended up like, ultra rich like he was rubbing elbows with elites like upper social circles uh him and helen never had any kids and they traveled all over the world together uh he did further ad campaigns for like other companies like oil companies and stuff like that but it was on a trip home from europe with his wife that he was inspired to write a poem this poem became the inspiration for a book a children's book called and to think that i saw it on mulberry street it was rejected somewhere up to 43 times by various publishers oh that title i can see why he was so fed up that he was one night walking home to burn the manuscript and give up when just by (laughs) completely random happenstance he bumped into an old classmate from dartmouth Uh, who helped him finally get it published. Uh, He published under his old pseudonym as well, Zois, except people, because of how the name was spelled, frequently mispronounced it as Seuss. No fucking way. Ted finally gave in because he liked how it rhymed with Mother Goose and approved the pronunciation. You've been gaslighting me this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) He He added the doctor because his dad always hoped he would be a physician, though he was actually awarded an honorary doctorate in the 1950s. Dr. Seuss published three more books, including Horton Hatches the Egg, before 1941 when World War II happened in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, Ted would spend the next two years creating over 400 political and war cartoons. Uh, he was very left-leaning and supportive of Roosevelt, though he wasn't without controversy. Uh, he had some racist views towards Japanese Americans and supported internment camps, uh, though he did later renounce those past views and he like actively changed them. Like It wasn't just like today's cancel culture where like you're done. No, he like apologized and then did stuff about it there uh, is also a number of racist imagery in regards to asian or african characters in his early children's books which is what led to that you know dr seuss quote unquote ban recently though that was just the company stopping production of books that had been barely in print if even at the time and also as a children's librarian who has most if not all of those books in my library 
currently and has read all of them. Uh, yeah, they're pretty racist. <laughs> Uh, but it's also within the context of the times that he wrote them. I mean, that's not to excuse it, but he didn't, he, yeah, he didn't excuse it either, but you know, there, you've got to always take things within historical context, you know, anyway, side point. Um, Sidebar. Yeah. In 1943, he joined the U.S. Army Air Forces as a captain who commanded the animation department of their first motion picture unit. He made some propaganda. Uh, He also won a couple Oscars. Um, Jesus. Yeah. After the war, he moved back to San Diego and focused on children's books again. He wrote more of his classics, including... uh, there's a story where uh, Life magazine published this article about rising illiteracy in children because they find reading hard and boring. Uh, so the chairman of education division at Houghton Mifflin, his name was William Ellsworth Spaulding. He made a list of 348 words that first graders should know and be able to read. They narrowed it down to about 250 and challenged Dr. Seuss to write a, a book kids would not want to put down using only those words. Hmm. Seuss used only 236, and nine months later released The Cat in the Hat. Awkward. Uh, not thinking he could pull that off again, Seuss was challenged by somebody else, uh, a $50 bet that he would have to write another book using only 50 words. You know, they could be repeated, but he can only pull from like a list of 50 words. Seuss thus released Green Eggs and Ham. Okay. I did not know this. Many of Dr. Seuss's works also had deeper meaning as well. You know, Yertle the Turtle is just a Hitler allegory. There's dealing with like racism and stuff with the Sneetches consumerism in the Grinch and environmentalism and anti-capitalism in the Lorax. You know, you can see looking at his history here where all of these concepts have come from like in his life, you know, the environmentalism and artistry with his father, the rhythm and rhyme from his mother and everything else, just living in the United States during that time period. True. True. He also invented the word nerd which first showed up in If I Ran the Zoo in 1950. Bless you, Zeus, for you are the Zeus of Neds. <laughs> A little creepy, but he would also take like horns and tusks and antlers and stuff like that from dead zoo animals, and he would use them in sculptures of like his weird Dr. Seuss fantasy animals. And now we know where horror movies come from. <laughs> Yep. Was this uh, was this later in life? Did he just get so bored? He's like, oh, he could have. Mm. I mean, he does seem like he would be the that rich, but like the Doctor Moreau, or you know, like this rich billionaire who just gets bored later in life. <laughs> I've made these kids think and talk and walk and do all this. Now I'm going to make me a jackalope, <laughs> right? And imagine just the Isle of Doctor Seuss, <laughs> the Isle yeah. of Doctor. <laughs> Somebody kill us! We're done with this! You're not done till I say you're done. <laughs> Poor kids. <laughs> Today was great. Today was fun. Tomorrow there'll be another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to write this Dr. Seuss horror movie now. <laughs> Where are you going? Um, Come play with me. Don't run or I'll take out your knee. <laughs> 
You just hear that thing the entire like just just Dr. Seuss themed one liners like the entire movie. This guy is just chasing this girl and kills his best friend and does all this. And the cop's like, <laughs> Why'd you do it, man? Why'd you do it? No one can say. No one can know. But now I think that girl's a hoe. <laughs> all right. Anyway, speaking of death, Helen, his wife, died in 1967. Ted did remarry, though, funnily enough, his second wife had never heard of him and <laughs> apparently thought he was a real medical doctor. What? Wow, okay. Like, Seuss would go on to write, like, 60 children's books and gain worldwide acclaim. Though, when I was living in uh, Korea, I tried to teach with a doctor like a Dr. Seuss book and my crazy co-teacher hated that lesson because it was like too weird and confusing and she wouldn't stop calling the wump a camel and she would argue that it should only have one hump. Is she American also or? No, she was Korean. Okay. Uh, It was like a weird cultural thing. So I just found that interesting. Well, I thought Um, maybe she wouldn't teach it because of the language. I mean, I could just, I couldn't even begin to think how this would be if it was written in German. Right. Well, we were teaching an English class where we would be learning, you know, English and nonsense words. English. And like that. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's, that's way off point. Seuss gained many awards and prestiges over his years. Other fun facts. He was a chain smoker and he may or may not have had an affair with a married woman. In nineteen, yeah, in nineteen eighty three, during a routine dental check, they discovered a cancerous lesion on his tongue come from the like years of chain smoking. Uh, he suffered he suffered through cancer treatment until he died in nineteen ninety one of oral cancer. Uh, his final book, "Oh, the Places You'll Go," was published in nineteen ninety, and uh, that's all about that's about all I have on uh, Doctor Seuss. What you got to say, Rob? Okay, so when you were talking about this, you and everybody else were making jokes about Game of Thrones. (laughs) And I swear, I thought you guys were gaslighting me the entire time. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know. I want to hear what this this is going on. And the entire time you're talking, I'm like, who the hell on the Game of Thrones cast has been writing children's books? And as an artist, I'm like, okay, maybe I can see a couple of them. Then you're like, yeah, he's Dr. Seuss. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Okay. Uh, for, uh, hold, hold up, for the backstory, because that's completely random for people who might not be in the know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we, uh, <clears throat> uh, we were talking in a group chat, and I had mentioned we were going to be doing this episode on Theodore Geisel, and I didn't want Rob to know who it was because he said he didn't know. And so everyone was quiet and said they weren't they they knew who it was and weren't gonna tell him. And so, I could have Googled it, but I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I, I was hoping you wouldn't. And anyway, so uh he Rob said something about um I know nothing. And so after he said that, I said Jon Snow. <laughs> Oh, and, and that's so, where the Game of Thrones jokes came in. Yeah, and so you said, I know nothing. I say Jon Snow, and you're you're going on like that has a connection to this. And I'm like, no, they're com- two completely different things. 
And then everybody else just picked up on the Game of Thrones joke and went with it and yeah, completely went into another reality. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. So, oh, okay. So there you go, viewers. I am a gullible bastard. Yeah, I could, I could have, like I, like you said, like we we both agreed. I could have googled this, but I didn't want to. I grew up on on Dr. Seuss books. You know, um, they were like the highlight of my childhood when it came to school. Um, you know, people always wanted to go out and they wanted to playing the monkey swings and all that crap. And I'd go to the library because I'd want to read the Dr. Seuss books just because they were fun, you know, like, yeah, they were fun to read and they were fun to, to imagine, you know, and I, I, I kind of get why people this day and age, you know, it's why people want to do this cult, cancer, cancel culture thing, you know, God, that is so mm-hmm. hard. I, I don't, it's always hard to say. But as you said, it's take you have to reference it in the context of the time frame. You know, Disney Songs of the South was culturally appropriate for the time when it was written and filmed and animated. Now, yeah, in the world we live in, it's a, a racist film. I'm, I'm not going to disagree. Um, I never, man, that's just, it's weird. I never would have thought... I mean, I, I've always heard the rumors that, you know, Seuss was a racist, all this kind of stuff, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, he could be, he could potentially be a racist, you know, there's, we all, we all have that dark side. The fact that he chose to not only embrace the fact that he messed up and apologize and try, he, he tried to better the world, you know, mm-hmm. I, I find it also amazing that, you know, he brought, you know, I'm not going to say he had a horrible childhood. It's not like he had a dope childhood. It's not like his childhood was freaking awesome compared to, you know, a lot of people. And, and yeah, I'm kind of jealous of him. Um, he had a loving mother and father. That's kind of hard to have in this world we live in. I'm not bitter at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the fact that he brought his childhood back into his stories and he wrote about what he cared about. That's awesome. I mean, you know, he he tried to better the world through through literature. That's hard to do. I mean, most individuals who think they're going to become an author and want to make money end up writing Fifty Shades of Grey or you know <laughs> Harry Potter and all you know all, all this stuff. And they just maybe the first book's good, the second one okay, pretty dope, you know. And then they just start writing crap because people want to watch you know the movies and all that shit, you know. I, when you were talking about how he, his wife turned him from getting his PhD, I was kind of pissed. I'm not going to lie. I was like, dude, that's not cool. You know, know, a loving loving spouse should support the other spouse no matter what. He could have still wrote stuff while he was getting his doctorate's degree. Um, But in the end, I mean, I did not realize that you brought in such an iconic individual who, whose range, I mean, just damn, you know, I mean... But okay, when was how old was he when he wrote his first book? Um, so he had written other and published other things before <laughs> he wrote his first children's book. But uh, that book, uh, which we do have this book in my library, to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street and that right there was... that that confused me. I was like, yeah, I can see why that book was never popular. Originally published December twenty first, nineteen thirty seven. And he was born when? Oh, four. So he was 33 when he 
published his first book, you know, um, that just goes to show, I mean, that, that right there, like a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when, when we hear the names of authors, you know, when we see these books being published, you don't realize that it takes time. It takes mm-hmm. dedication. It takes 43 rounds of failure. Uh, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, though to be fair, by the time he did publish it, which he only did because he randomly ran into an old classmate with connections on his way home to burn the manuscript. That's um, <laughs> that right there um, is fate. Yeah. Even besides that, he was like ridiculously rich and like a playboy, like going around the world with his wife, you know, kind of thing. I find it ironic that, you know, he was a children's book writer and he didn't have any kids. That's a, yeah, it's a little that's ironic true. to me, you know, I mean, he could have mm-hmm. gotten some information off the kids like, um, dad, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, but I don't, it's, it's I don't know if him. they were able to have kids. Oh, uh, okay. Well, no, that makes sense. That's, that's understandable. Yeah. I, I can safely say I was completely surprised by this. And I wasn't um, lying about the Zoice. Uh, apparently that is how it's supposed to be pronounced in like original culture. Zoice? Zoice or Soice. Soice. Yeah. Soice or Zoice. Uh, it can be either or. There's a, apparently even a poem written about uh, how to it, how it's supposed to be pronounced. But yeah, the whole Mother Goose thing just kind of changed his opinion. He was like, all right, it's Dr. Seuss. He, he saw something that he could run with. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, you, can, you can't. You can't hate him for that. That's a, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I can see this working to my benefit. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, roll the dice. And I don't know, to me, like when you're talking about, okay, so I'm going to break this guy between two characters, his childhood and his adulthood. It seems to me like his childhood, he was just this lucky kid, you know, like he had the perfect life, you know, had a perfect family and just got lucky and just kept on getting lucky. And as an adult, he was, the kind of person like, yeah, his luck kind of bit him in the ass every now and then, but he made up for it and apologized, you know, and, and, yeah. and did something to prove that he wasn't going to be like our Hollywood stars we are nowadays where we say we're sorry. But then, you know, we go and get five more DUIs, you know, in one weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he definitely has that mischievous side. Which we all um, do. Like, you know, well, that's how he's kind of basically the cat in the hat, like this mischievous character. And that's how the whole Seuss thing started, because he got kicked out of the paper and wrote under a pseudonym uh, to still write under the paper. Yeah. And it's it's just an interesting story to me that, you know, the Dr. Seuss name came because of Prohibition. That right there is I just is it the only good thing about Prohibition? (laughs) <laughs> i mean you know his father owned a you know a beer company and then prohibition comes around and what are you supposed to do you know it's like you ruined my business I, i'm gonna go wait i can't drink damn it yeah so i mean yeah, um, it's just it's i gotta give props to him i mean i didn't know this much about dr seuss and people can honestly you know ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages shapes and sizes you can believe everything that we say, or you can believe none of it. That's entirely your right and your opinion. Me, I, I grew up a Dr. Seuss fan. I will die a Dr. Seuss fan. You know, there's, there's three authors in my life that I loved to read. Um, 
Dr. Seuss, um, R.L. Stein, and um, the guy who wrote the Bible. You know, I mean, yeah, that's like that last one was just pure bullshit. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, God, I, I don't know if there is a third one. I mean, I talked a good talk and I walked a good walk and I just walked right into the wall. <laughs> well, so I was gonna say too. Um, I, you know, being an elementary librarian, this is what is known as Dr. Seuss week because it's always the week of his birthday. Um, every year I read Fox and Socks. Uh, and if you don't know, Fox and Socks is a book of tongue twisters. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I, because I've read that book so many times over the years, I've gotten really, really, really good at it. What I'm going to do. Are you going to read me a bedtime story? I am going to read Fox and Socks the way that I read it to my kids. And it's going to be in one take. If I mess up, I mess up. All right. I am going to shut my pie hole for this. Whenever you're ready, Nick, take your take your time. Let's get prepared. Whenever you're ready, I want you to wow me. And you're gonna have to wait for that because uh, <laughs> my... <laughs> I can't find my copy of the book, and my I'm gonna have to bring home the my library copy, which I don't have with me. So I will have to record that part tomorrow. Fox. Socks, box, knocks. Knocks and box, fox and socks. Knocks on fox and socks and box. Socks on knocks and knocks and box. Fox and socks on box on knocks. Chicks with bricks come, chicks with blocks come, chicks with bricks and blocks and clocks come. Look, sir, look, sir, Mr. Knox, sir. Let's do tricks with chicks and blocks, sir. Let's do tricks with chicks and clocks, sir. First I'll make a quick trick brick stack, then I'll make a quick trick block stack. You can make a quick trick chick stack, you can make a quick trick clock stack. And here's a new trick, Mr. Knox. Socks on chicks and chicks on fox. Fox on clocks on bricks and blocks. Bricks and blocks on knocks on box. Now we come to ticks and talks, sir. Try to say this, Mr. Knox, sir. Clocks on fox tick, clocks on knocks talk. Sick sick bricks tick, sick sick chicks talk. Please, sir, I don't like this trick, sir. My tongue isn't quick or slick, sir. I get all those ticks and clocks, sir, mixed up with the chicks and talks, sir. I can't do it, Mr. Fox, sir. I'm so sorry, Mr. Knox, sir. Here's an easy game to play. Here's an easy thing to say. New socks, two socks. Who socks? Sue's socks. Who sews who socks? Sue sews Sue's socks. Who sees who so who's new socks, sir? You see who so who's new socks, sir. That's not easy, Mr. Fox, sir. Who comes? Crow comes. Slow Joe Crow comes. Who sews crow's clothes? Sue sews crow's clothes. Slow Joe Crow sews whose clothes? Sue's clothes. Sue sews socks of fox and socks now. Slow Joe Crow sews knocks and box now. Sue sews rose on Slow Joe Crow's clothes. Fox sews hose on Slow Joe Crow's nose. Hose goes, rose grows. Nose hose goes some, crows rose grows some. Mr. Fox, I hate this game, sir. This game makes my tongue quite lame, sir. Mr. Knox, sir, what a shame, sir. We'll find something new to do now. Here is lots of new blue goo now. 
New goo, blue goo, gooey, gooey, blue goo, new goo, gluey, gluey. Gooey goo for chewy chewing, that's what that goo goose is doing. Do you choose to chew goo too, sir? If sir, you sir choose to chew, sir, with the goo goose, chew, sir, do, sir. Mr. Fox, sir, I won't do it. I can't say it. I won't chew it. Very well, sir. Step this way. We'll find another game to play. Bim, B-I-M, comes, Ben, B-E-N, comes. Bim brings Ben broom, Ben brings Bim broom. Ben bends Bim's broom, Bim bends Ben's broom. Bim's bends Ben's bends, Ben's bent broom breaks, Bim's bent broom breaks. Ben's band, Bim's band, big bands, pig bands, Bim and Ben lead bands with brooms. Ben's band bangs and Bim's band booms. Pig band, boom band, big band, broom band, my poor mouth can't say that. No, sir, my poor mouth is much too slow, sir. Well, then, bring your mouth this way. I'll find it something it can say. Luke Luck likes lakes. Luke's duck likes lakes. Luke Luck licks lakes. Luke's duck licks lakes. Duck takes licks in lakes. Luke Luck likes. Luke Luck takes licks in lakes. Duck likes. I can't blab such blibber blubber. My tongue isn't made of rubber. Mr. Knox now, come now, come now. You don't have to be so dumb now. Try to say this, Mr. Knox, please. Through three cheese trees, three free fleas flew. While these fleas flew, freezy breeze blew. Freezy breeze made these three trees freeze. Freezy trees made these trees cheese freeze. That's what made these three free fleas sneeze. Stop it, stop it, that's enough, sir. I can't say such silly stuff, sir. Very well then, Mr. Knox, sir. Let's have a little talk about Tweedle Beetles. Now, as I tell my students, I'm going to read this part normal, and then I'm going to go back and do it as fast as I can. What do you know about Tweedle Beetles? Well... When Tweedle Beetles fight, it's called a Tweedle Beetle battle. And when they battle in a puddle, it's a Tweedle Beetle puddle battle. And when Tweedle Beetles battle with paddles in a puddle, they call it a Tweedle Beetle puddle paddle battle. And when Beetles battle Beetles in a puddle paddle battle, and the Beetle battle puddle is a puddle in a bottle, they call this a Tweedle Beetle bottle puddle paddle battle muddle. And when beetles fight these battles in a bottle with their paddles and the bottles on a poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call this a muddle puddle tweedle poodle beetle noodle bottle paddle battle. And now wait a minute, Mr. Socks Fox. When a fox is in the bottle where the tweedle beetles battle with their paddles in a puddle on a noodle eating poodle, this is what they call a tweedle beetle noodle poodle bottle paddle muddled duddled fuddled waddled fox and socks, sir. Fox and socks, our game is done, sir. Thank you for a lot of fun, sir. All right, that's the end. So I'm going to go back and do the Tweedle-Beetle part quickly. What do you know about Tweedle-Beetles? Well, what Tweedle-Beetles is called Tweedle-Beetle Battle, and they battle on a puddle. It's a Tweedle-Beetle Puddle Battle, and tweedle battle with paddles on a puddle. They call it Tweedle-Beetle Puddle Battle Battle. And when Beetles battle Beetles in a puddle battle battle, and the Beetle battle Puddle is a puddle in a bottle, they call this a Tweedle-Beetle Puddle Battle 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 Battle. When beetles fight these battles at the bottom of the battles, and the battles on the poodle and the poodles eating noodles, they call the same muddle puddle, tweedle poodle, beetle doodle, bottle, bottle, bottle. And now wait a minute, Mr. Socks Fox. When a fox is in the bottle with the tweedle beetle battle with the battles on the puddle and noodle eating poodle, this is what they call a tweedle beetle, noodle poodle, bottle, bottle, muddle, bottle, puddle, what a fox and socks are. The end. Um, all right. So, okay, well, so before before we end this, um, I'm, I'm just curious here. So he had, he died of, of cancer from smoking. Yes. Now that is it's ironic. It's ironic. Um it's a little tragic as well because I mean, hey, you know, but the type of cancer that he had gotten was in his tongue. So it's like Yeah, um, the wordsmith got tongue cancer. 
the wordsmith got tongue cancer. And I mean, I'm assuming I come from a medical background, so I'm assuming it, it traveled to his lymph nodes, and that's where you know, once right. it gets there, um, that's that's it. But that's oh man. And how old was he when he passed? Uh, he died in 1991. He was born in 1904. 91.04. He was 87 years old. Did I do my math right there? That sounds right. Okay. If not, um, I'm sorry. I'm not a mathematician. I can I can barely even you know pay my rent. Um, haha, joke. Anyway, but yeah. So um, yes, yeah, that man. Nick, you always seem to bring up interesting topics where in the end, I'm kind of like, Jesus, you know, it's like, I, we'll get to Jesus later. We'll get to, we'll get to Jesus in a matter of, in a matter of time. We'll just wait for that, you know? No, but you, you bring up interesting topics and in the end, I'm I'm just sitting there thinking about things. I'm like, man, that, um, that was an interesting, that was an interesting take on things, you know, like. Your your whole purpose was to educate somebody who was not as educated in the manners that you know, so you were doing a damn good job. Uh, well, thank you, sir. <laughs> that, that was a compliment, Nick. <laughs> You're just like, um, thanks. <laughs> I, I get awkward with compliments. Um, it's, it happens to all of us. I'm pretty sure Dr. Seuss was, was kind of awkward with compliments, you know, even though he got them all the time. He probably couldn't. He probably got to the point where he couldn't realize which one was true, which one wasn't. You know, I mean, he did have a license plate that said Grinch. No, that is awesome. That is, oh, God, I wish this guy was my grandfather. (laughs) He just sounds like he sounds like the guy. He sounds like a person who, regardless, you know, of, of that individual sex, you know, that. You could sit there and tell stories about that person and be like, yeah, I remember when this happened, when that happened. I remember when, you know, good old grandpa got naked and started chasing chickens in the, in the, in the barn. And everybody just looks at you like you're, you're just, you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, he actually did that. Yeah. By the way, my grandfather was Dr. Seuss. I mean, nobody knew that. And they just look at you and you're like, what? I'm sorry, what? Man, Except they awesome. never had kids. But they never had kids. Hmm. Tra- tragic, tragic. But man, that's just that's that was a that was a good that was a good twist, Nick. I have to bravo. Good twist. Yeah, I thought we needed something uh, much lighter and funner after the last episode. Well, the last one was we had to yeah. take basically a month off to recover from. Well, we should never recovery is one thing. Remembering is always, and it's good. It's good that you brought something that was, you know, we, we had something dark, but now we have something light and, and very healthy to the heart. So hopefully people can, can realize, you know, this, this world is healing somehow in some way, shape or form. Well, uh, I hope all of you join us again for our next episode in a couple weeks when we are set to talk about the history of women's rights. And there we lost our audience. (laughs) Until then, this has been InfoBlast! Okay, bye.
was it about the 90s that made movies so much better? How much of an impact did they make during that decade? And while we're at it, can we throw around some 90s slang? Join me, Jason Soto, a lover of all things 90s, as I do a deep dive into cinema from the best era ever. Rabbit Hole Podcast present That's the Bomb, yo! 90 hella rad movies from the 90s. You can find this show on Anchor, Apple, Google, anywhere you get podcasts from, or its home location at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And who knows, maybe even Alicia Silverstone will finally accept my date. Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.